You're listening to the People's Podcast. Have you ever been unemployed? Were you nervous, man? All right, man. This is JSC Radio. This is who he is. This dude is out here tweeting out pictures wearing a red MAGA hat. That hat is essentially this generation's white hood with the eyes cut out. But you're a free thinker. I'm a free thinker. I'm independent. I'm thinking for myself. This is free thought. You are under total mind control, dude. But what's controlling your mind? I have no idea. Because I'm not even sure you fully believe in the bullshit you say about Trump. I think you're just so desperate for attention and acceptance and love from something or someone, something that was never given to you, that you have to go out of your way to be this much of a shithead. Kanye West is not and has never been a literal genius. Kanye is the same narcissistic, shallow half-wit he's always been. It's just that so many of y'all finally see what I've been seeing since at least 2004. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children, of all ages how's it going or better yet hey now my name is jay scott smith and this is the 87th episode of the people's podcast this is jsc radio i want to thank each and every one of y'all that supports the show every time it comes down the pike i've been trying to make it happen a little bit more often but times are tough out here for a multitude of reasons. I'll I'll actually kind of touch on a little bit of that subject as we go along. I want to thank each and every one of you who supports the show across all different podcast providers, including Apple Podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud and Stitcher, Google Play and TuneIn, Audioboom, iHeartRadio, and of course, the Spotify. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Be sure to hit me up on social media at J Scott Smith, J-A-Y-S-C-O, two T's, S-M-I-T-H. That's on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm real J Scott Smith on the Facebook. Those are verified. Original. So you know where to find your boy. Be sure to hit me up anytime, anywhere. Want to thank, of course, my man, Awesome Jones, whose music you hear to start the show every week. Big up to my man, Doc Illingsworth, who's awesome new album you're no fun even though he actually is a lot of fun you're no fun dropped a couple of weeks ago i'm gonna put a link to cop the album in the description so make sure you hit that up and hit him up and get the album you're no fun and if you're really one of those true hip-hop heads you'll even go to his Bandcamp page and see how you can go get it on vinyl Shout out to Mellow Music Group. Big up to Open Mike Eagle, who apparently is going to be getting in the ring the first time ever on OVW TV. There's a whole lot of people around here doing a whole lot of cool shit. And I'm just kind of on the sidelines watching, but it's still amazing to see. So how you been the last couple of weeks? Obviously, I didn't expect the last two shows to magically end up having the type of serendipity to rehash one previous episode. I didn't think episode 74 was going to be something that would be getting revisited six months down the line. But it is. Last episode revisited Bill Cosby. This episode, at least part of it anyway, because we're going to get into some sports in the second half of this thing. This episode is going to revisit the other half of episode 74, Kanye West. But I'm going to look at it from a slightly different angle. As I record this, today is World Mental Health Day. And mental health is a term that you often hear lobbed all over the place in reference to Mr. West. Often, and wrongfully, we conflate his blatant pandering to a bigoted racist president, his stupidity of walking around wearing a baseball cap that symbolizes everything that's wrong with this country, and his incessant narcissism as all being a part of his mental illness. And that's just not true. There is something legitimately wrong with him. He's talked about it in the random moments of clarity that he's had in the last five years. He was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And being diagnosed with bipolar disorder does a lot of things to a lot of different people. It used to be known as being manic depressive which means you are on some of the highest highs and the lowest of lows, and it's very scattered. It can lead to 
anything from you having an increased sex drive to rage to deep depression. It can do so many things to you. And I don't think we really like to get in the weeds on mental health issues. We're getting better at it now, more so in the last five to 10 years. We've gotten better at it, but I don't think we really have in some aspects because too, people are, too many people are still too quick to just write off all this foolishness with guys like him as a mental illness. It's not true. I, I will go at him on just about anything. Because, as I mentioned in episode 74, I've always considered him to be phony. I've always considered him to be fake. I've considered him to be an opportunist. I've considered him to be someone who basically will go as the crow flies just to get over. But to link what he's doing with Trump to his mental illness is a slap in the face of those of us who actually have dealt with mental illness, either through family members or ourselves. I've been fighting depression Well, let me put it this way. I was formally diagnosed with it about a year and a half ago. But if we're calling a spade a spade, I would say I've been pretty much fighting it on and off since probably age 16. That's a long time. Those of y'all know my age, that's a long time. I had undiagnosed depression, which I guess technically would almost be considered major depression in my case, but undiagnosed depression, anxiety issues. I've had anxiety both social anxiety to the point, I mean, my anxiety was so bad when I was in graduate school, when I was at Wayne State University, that I, I remember running out of classrooms. The toughest day I could recall having was I was going to be doing, because at one point in time I was a sports journalist. Eh, you know, I still know a little bit about sports. But at one time, this was about, it had to be about seven, eight years ago, I was on press row doing a basketball game at Wayne State University, and five minutes before the start of the game, I had maybe the worst panic attack I'd ever experienced. And normally, I'd been able to keep the bad panic attacks to when I was at home by myself. And that's the best way to describe a panic attack, because everybody has different things. For me, panic attacks always kind of started where if you've seen, especially some of the older Marvel movies, if you've ever seen at the beginning of some of these Marvel films, when you see the pages turning really quickly of the different comics, except it doesn't turn into this cool collage of characters. That that alliteration was unintentional. It doesn't turn into the cool collage of characters or anything. That's what mine tend to look like, but it's not fun. You feel your heart start racing. You start sweating, the room starts spinning, you start to feel faint, you start to feel dizzy. People often describe panic attacks and anxiety attacks as if they're heart attacks because while I've never had a heart attack, I don't think, this is what it feels like. And it sucks and it's awful and it's terrible. Depression's kind of the same way. And for people to get what depression is, you have to think that When people say that they're going through depression, it's not that you're having a bad day. It's not that you're having a bad bad energy. It's not that you're thinking negative thoughts. It's the consistent feeling that you're not good enough, no matter what. It's the consistent feeling that you're always going to fail, that even on the best and brightest of days, you see clouds. And that doesn't mean you can't have good days interspersed in there or you have good moments or good hours. In my case, it's how it is. I have days where I feel like I'm on top of the world. Lately, those days are a lot fewer and further between. But then I have other days where I don't want to get out of bed and I have nowhere to go. And I feel like the world has forgotten about me. I should have probably warned y'all this is going to get very real on here. So the reason I bring this up is when I see people ascribe eccentric, wacky, racist, ignorant behavior to people like Kanye West and others, it kind of goes up my ass sideways a little bit because I know plenty of mentally ill people who are brilliant 
I know plenty of mentally ill people who are massively talented, who, who lead lives, and you wouldn't think for a hot second they come home at night and cry into pillows. Or they won't come out of bathrooms because they're scared to death of the world outside. Or they're battling multiple personalities. Or they feel the shadow of a failure creeping up behind them. During the testimony that Dr. Ford gave during the the uh, that that shit show of a confirmation hearing for that scumbag Brett Kavanaugh. She talked about how she has anxiety about flying. And sure enough, on Twitter, all the Twitter psychologists, all the Fox News fool asses decided that they wanted to become amateur psychologists. Well, if you have anxiety about getting on a plane, how are you able to fly to a vacation? How are you able to fly across the country? You don't really have anxiety. Hey, asshole, I have anxiety about getting on planes. And I've been getting on planes left and right for the last 10 years. But I went 15 years without getting on a plane between 1994 and 2009. Scared to death. I tried to avoid plane travel however I could. If I could drive there, I was driving. I was not going to get on a plane. And this is before 9-11. I was not getting on a damn plane. Until I had to go across country to San Diego for a convention. And I had no choice because there was no way I was going to drive 2,350 miles from Detroit to San Diego. So you get on a plane, but you do everything you can to keep it together while the plane is on its way up and on its way down. But the thing is, most of you clowns know this. When I get on a plane, I do everything I can to zone out. I put on headphones. I try to dress as comfortably as possible. I make sure that I don't, I love having window seats because that just keeps me chill. And I have a certain set of music that I listen to in my headphones while I'm on the plane, particularly when the plane is taking off and when the plane is landing. I don't eat anything. I try not to drink much. And my whole thing is get my ass in the air and get my ass on the ground back in one piece. Just because you have a fear of flying, that you have severe anxiety about flying, if you got to get on a plane to go where you got to go, motherfucker, you're getting on the plane. People don't understand mental health. We're doing a better job of trying to get to know things about it, but it's hard, especially when ignorance is still the official language of the United States of America, when stupidity is still the go-to move in the post, when being obtuse or being being insulting or being a dick is a lot easier than having compassion and being understanding. The NBA has started to embrace this. And you've seen it more and more in the last couple of years where guys like Kevin Love are coming out and talking about their issues with depression, with anxiety, their mental health problems. DeMar DeRozan is another one. You see these guys talk about this and realize that the stigma around it haunts you. And it's even bigger if you're black, especially if you're a black man. Because black men are supposed to be the faces of strength. Almost to an unreasonable level, we're supposed to be the faces of strength. We're supposed to be the guys who who, who cope. You don't even have to cope. You're black. You just push through it. And damn, that's hard. When you're having a difficult go of things and people don't really want to talk to you, they just want to say, oh, you'll get, you'll get over it. By the way, if I haven't said this before in a podcast, and I think I have, I've done so many of these, the one thing you don't tell somebody going through depression is to cheer up. That's like telling a woman to calm down. That shit don't work, man. That ain't it, chief. Telling somebody to cheer up, to smile, just to have a better attitude probably would get you thrown out of my house because this ain't about fixing up the attitudes, fixing the imbalance. I don't know what you're thinking. Well, why don't you go see a therapist? Well, I would if I could afford it. That's the other problem that you have in this country. Really around the world when you think about it. Mental health services are not readily available for those who need it the most. Because those who need it the most either refuse to get it or can't. And the ones who can afford to have it usually don't. Kanye West has so much money, but yet he openly refuses to take his medication. I've never needed to be prescribed medication for my issues. It was suggested, but it was never needed. He's been prescribed 
And yet he chooses not to do it and you see what happens. Again, I'm not equating his historical ignorance, not to be confused with his historic level of ignorance, or his coddling and embrace of bigotry, or his blatant look at me attitude, or his narcissism, even though I guess technically being a narcissist could be considered a mental illness. I'm not equating all that with him being bipolar. That's a legitimate problem that he needs to get hashed out for his own good. The hell with all the other shit. I don't give a damn about his album. I don't, I'd stop giving a damn about his music a long time ago anyway. Get yourself right. And this goes out for anybody else listening to this. Get yourself right. But don't be afraid to say this is what you're dealing with. Don't be afraid to acknowledge this is what you're dealing with, what you're going through. This is who you are for the time being. Because we can't shake this stigma, this horse shit that we go through if we don't, if we keep getting pushed into shadows. Black men and black women getting therapy, getting help is not white people shit. Getting help is necessary. Now, I've done a good job of keeping my emotions in check here because I tend to be a very emotional individual. But I've fought through days where getting out of bed was not easy. Even when I had a full-time job, it was not easy. When facing the day, looking at yourself in the mirror and you see the person coming back at you and you hate what you see, despite everybody else loving what they see. That when you, you write from a place of pain, you can understand where people, their pain is coming from. You can see how difficult it is to get through a day. So when I hear people talk about how depression has crippled them or made their lives hell or they've had to learn to work around it, I get it because I've had to do the same thing. So of all the reasons I'm going to come at Kanye West, the one thing you won't hear me come after him about is his mental health issues, save for the fact that you motherfucker, take your fucking pills, get on your fucking meds, stop being selfish, get on your meds and take care of your actual self. That's as far as I would ever go. That's what I would tell him. Short of slapping that stupid ass MAGA hat off his head. That's the only thing I would tell him. Everything else, I have nothing to say. For those of you who listen to this show, where this show gets you through days, where if you're on a drive or if you're, you're walking around, you're in the gym, whatever the case may be, and you're listening to this and you're dealing with something in terms of mental illness, whether you're dealing with depression, anxiety, whether you're dealing with bipolar disorder, whether you have a, a different ailment or illness that we don't know about or I don't know about. My social media is out there. J. Scott Smith, J-A-Y-S-C-O-2-T-S-M-I-T-H. I'm also at JSC Radio. Hit me up. If you're going through something, holla at me because you're not alone out there, man. And it's hard. This has been a rough year for me. Really rough. It was rough when I had a gig. It's really rough now. A full-time gig anyway. You want to know what depression is? Depression is having the type of quote-unquote career that I've had and still looking at myself in the mirror and saying, what have you really done? What have you done? If you're so good, you would be where they are. What have you done? That's what you run into with depression. Depression makes you feel like the world would be better off without you. Depression makes you feel like you can do nothing right. And that anything wrong that has happened to you in life, you deserve it. The truth is you don't. And the truth is you are better and you are bigger and you are stronger and you do deserve to be where you are. And don't let an illness, don't let an ailment, don't let mental health problems pull you down and drag you down. They can do a lot of things to you. But the one thing that a mental health issue will not do is make you put on a goddamn MAGA hat and start sucking up to a racist like Donald Trump and the rest of his shithead followers. The one reason I'm disappointed in Kanye West is because he's allowing himself to be exploited by these people, by this clown, while he's in a state that I don't think he's in full control of. That's what really bothers me, is that he seems very comfortable being manipulated like this. And that also does an incredible disservice to those of us who actually are fighting this every single damn day. Mental illness is not a crutch. Mental illness is not your go-to move to blame somebody for being an ignorant prick. 
the 13th Amendment ended slavery. No, the Democratic Party did not launch a plan to split black fathers away from black families. Yes, slavery existed. Yes, it was real. For sake. That ain't got nothing to do with mental illness. That has everything to do with this, this asshole not opening up a book and not getting to understand history. Stop blaming his stupidity on mental illness. Being ignorant is not a mental illness. Being ignorant is a choice. And what I'm going to choose to do is talk about this tangy zip America whip. That's a hell of a damn segue, isn't it? Yes, indeed. The tangy zip of Miracle Whip. Back at your ass one more time. Go to whipwear.shop to check out all the latest gear from the Tang Gang. That's right. T-shirts, sweatshirts, pants, sweatpants, hats. I'm rocking mine right the hell now. Be sure to check out whipwear.shop. Place your order and use the promo code JSC to get 10% off your next order. Tell them I sent you, damn it. Coming up after this break, it's kind of a mashup, actually. It'll be the Detroit Lions. Apparently, Little Caesars Arena is going to be doing a little remodeling because they got a problem. Baseball playoffs are going on. And most of all, just feel like lightening the mood up a little bit and having a little fun. My name is Jay Scott Smith. And I got your back out here, unless you're wearing a MAGA hat. And this is the 87th episode, episode 87 of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio, and we'll be back after this. But like Kanye, I know you're like, yo, this is the real me. I'm off the meds. Take him. There's no shame in the, in the medicine game. I'm on him. It's great. Take him. There's nothing wrong with take him. If I ever got on a plane and the pilot said, I just want all you to know, this is the real me flying. I'd jump out. Being mentally ill is not an excuse to act like a jackass. Okay? You're listening to the People's Podcast. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. This is Jay. S.C. Radio. Doc Illisworth. Imagine being fired because of who you love. Imagine being denied medical treatment because of who you marry. Imagine being evicted because of who you are. Millions of Americans don't have to imagine this. They have to live it. Because in 31 states, it's legal to discriminate against LGBT people. Get the facts at beyondido.org. Brought to you by the Gill Foundation and the Ad Council. Man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go, fish that! Oh, come on! <laughs> this is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Hey now, it's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of JSC Radio, which you can now hear on Stitcher Radio. That's right, Stitcher is radio on demand. Now you can download the free app today and it's available on iOS, Android, as well as Nook and Kendall Fire. You can take JSC Radio anywhere. The app is free, you can listen anytime, anywhere. Now if you're wondering what Stitcher is, Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all of your favorite shows, plus discover 40,000 news, entertainment, and sports shows, such as JSC Radio. You can create custom playlists, 
You can rate and review this show and others on Stitcher. Please drop a friendly review on the show. Not only is Stitcher available on all smartphones and tablets, it's also in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory on any of your devices. You can stream your favorite podcasts, like JSC Radio, for free on Stitcher. If you don't have the Stitcher app, simple. Go to Stitcher.com today or check out the App Store on whichever device you use. Stitcher Radio. Be sure to check it out. You're listening to The People's Podcast. I'm not going to be responsible for what happens next. This is Jay. S.C. Radio. I'm just going to read a little bit of Adrian Wojnarowski's report on what happened there, that you were loud, emotional, passionate, we like to say, um, targeting Coach Tom Thibodeau, teammates like Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, that you told GM Scott Layton, quote, you effing need me. How would you describe what happened today? Uh, A lot of it's true. A lot of it is true. But you got to think. I haven't played basketball in, in, in so long, and I'm so passionate, and I love the game, and I don't do it for any other reason except for to compete and go up against the best to try to prove that I can hang. So all my emotion came out at one time. Was it the right way to do it? No. But I can't control that when I'm out there competing. Like, that's my love of the game. That's raw me, me at my finest, me at my purest. That's what you're going to get inside the lines. And I was going to say, is it not the right way for it to come out? Do you think it was the wrong thing to do or was no. it an okay thing to do? I, I think that I was honest. Was I brutally honest? Yes. But I, I think that that's the problem. Everybody's so scared to be honest with one another. If you didn't like the way that I handled myself in, in, in practice, one of the players come up to me. Somebody say something. Anybody. I'm not going to take it offense. It's not personal. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah, you, you're probably right. I would have said, I ain't hooped and I don't know how long. I mean, I'm passionate about it. I love the game and I love to win. And that's all I was out there doing was competing, playing hard, doing what I'm supposed to do on the basketball court. This is the 87th episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Welcome back. Jay Scott Smith here on this 87th episode. Let me stress that 87 episodes. We're getting closer to another milestone at number 90 and then 95 and then 100. Still can't believe I've hit that major or coming close to hitting that major milestone on this podcast. Of course, want to shout out my man, Doc Illingsworth, whose music you hear underneath you right now. This is called Mock Punch off the new album. You're no fun. Told you put the link to buy it in the description whether you want to get it on bandcamp.com or on itunes not apple Podcasts, but straight up itunes be sure to drop a few coins from a man doc illingsworth and shout out to mellow music group as well they're the ones who put this album out there want to shout out my man awesome jones who of course you hear his music at the start of every show every single week you want to follow me get at me on the twitter machine at j scott smith j-a-y-s-c-o two t's s-m-i-t-h follow the show at jsc radio i'm on instagram at J. Scott Smith, and I'm on Facebook at Real J. Scott Smith, verified on two out of the three. Instagram, get the lead out of your ass and get me up there too. So, for the first time in a while, seems like it anyway, we're going to have a little fun. Let's talk about some sports, for God's sake. And that voice you heard coming out of the break is Jimmy Butler, where initially I was going to come into this thing talking about the Detroit Lions and, and the semi- right semi-wrong prediction I had about them to start the season off since they're on the bye but damn it I had to scrap or at least shove that to the side for a second because Jimmy Butler is wiling wiling that was the interview he did with ESPN after dude went full psycho in Minnesota Timberwolves practice I don't generally talk about the NBA preseason because there's nothing to talk about As we've long established, preseason is meaningless. It ain't worth talking about. It ain't worth discussing. We don't talk about any of the games. None of that. Preseason is meaningless. If you're playing games on college campuses and in high school gyms and cities 500 miles away from where you're actually supposed to be playing, those games do not count. They do not matter. Leave me alone. But damn it, this thing in the offseason with Jimmy Butler, really not even the offseason. It's like the last three weeks has just exploded in Minnesota. Y'all all know. 
Butler was traded to Minnesota from the Chicago Bulls last season. By the way, shout out to people in Chicago. WVON had me on with Mays Jackson. I'm going to shout y'all out. I always got love for the city of Chicago, but boy, did this thing carry out of the city of Chicago. I, I can't believe that after the season Minnesota had, which was a complete turnaround season, the Timberwolves finally make the playoffs for the first time in 14 years last year. Yeah, they got beat by the Rockets in the first round, but they weren't expected to beat the Houston Rockets. But that team with Butler and Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, they were expected to kind of be one of these rising teams in the West. And by all accounts, it seemed on the floor that, yeah, there were some issues. Butler got hurt a couple times, but that team was able to get into the playoffs last year and it was a sign of legitimate improvement. And then it comes out a couple of weeks ago that Jimmy Butler wants to get the hell out of Minneapolis on the first thing smoking and pretty much put the Timberwolves over a damn barrel. Because initially, Tom Thibodeau, who was Butler's head coach in Chicago as well, who also controls a lot of player personnel, as well as the team's general manager, had no interest in trading him. You're going to play out this contract. You're going to stay here. Because, of course, as I've mentioned before, the reason that I side with NBA players being free agents is because of things like this. These teams control you. They ain't got to let you go, even if you try to force a trade. But it got further complicated when the team's owner stepped in and said, no, trade him. Let's go. And that just blew the whole damn thing up. So the Timberwolves have spent the better part of the last two weeks trying to figure out how to get rid of this dude. And oddly, at first, he said one of the teams he wanted to play for were the New York Knicks. Another one is the Brooklyn Nets. Jimmy, if you're trying to win, why the hell would you want to come anywhere near the city of New York? Don't you know New York basketball is trash? Pro basketball. Don't you know New York pro basketball is trash, been trash, always going to be trash? You want to win, but you're willing to leave a pretty good team in Minnesota to go to the sorry Knicks or the even sorrier Nets. Nah, bro. Come on. Now, the L.A. Clippers got mentioned. The Clippers, decent team, could at least kind of essentially be what Minnesota was, creep in the back door of the playoffs in the West and get gun clapped by either Golden State or Houston. Or he could stay in Minneapolis, or he's also trying to jockey his way to Miami. Pretty good team in the East. Where? You go to Miami, considering that the the incredible Braun is now over with the Lakers, suddenly Miami at least could have something to say with Jimmy Butler and a soon-to-be-retired Dwayne Wade and Goran Dragic and that whole team, assuming Dragic isn't one of the guys who gets traded for him. So he had the deal on the table to go to Miami, and apparently it fell apart late in the day on Monday. And needless to say, Mr. Butler was uh, none too pleased when he showed up at practice. None too pleased to the point where he made sure everybody knew it. Like when I talk about this dude was out here cutting insane promos on teammates, on his coaches, on the whole damn franchise, he was wiling in practice. Wiling. And this is just according to ESPN, who somehow just managed to be there the day he goes nuts. Butler hit the floor, he was intense, he was loud, he was profane, he was nasty, and he was coming at any and everybody. From Tom Thibodeau, who, as I mentioned, is not only the coach, but the president of basketball operations, which as we found out in Detroit in the last few years, that's not always the best combination to have. You have the team's actual general manager, Scott Layden, and teammates including Towns and Wiggins. I mean, dude was wiling. Apparently, Butler even turned to Layden and yelled, you fucking need me. Dude. It's like, can you imagine the scene in that gym as Jimmy Butler is in practice? It's like one minute he turns over to Carl Anthony Towns. You suck. And then after he's done with Towns, Wiggins tries to get in there and Wiggins gets some too. Thibodeau got a problem trying to check him and get him to calm down. Jimmy, what you got to say to Tom Thibodeau? You're an overbearing asshole. And then finally, he turns around and there's Scott Layden, the damn general manager, and he has to give him a little bit of heat too. You are a no good son of a bitch. I mean, I'm dead serious. I'm beginning to wonder if Jimmy Butler was just being hauled out of the gym by this point after just going off on everybody and finally lets it be known that... Trade me. I'm already traded. Fire me. I'm already fired. Trade me. Fire me. I mean, it's like, that's what this has become. 
and I in the age of cell phones and social media, how somebody's cell phone doesn't come out, how somebody's cell phone anybody's doesn't pop out. I know there are rules against cell phones in close practices. Someone would have had to break the damn rule and risk a credential to get that on film, to get that on tape. And then he goes on ESPN, as you heard there at the start of this segment, and makes it very clear that he wasn't playing around with y'all. And he let it be known that this is the kind of energy he's bringing, basically. I was honest. Was I brutally honest? Yes. But I think that that's the problem. Everybody's so scared to be honest with one another. And look, man, I get being brutally honest. Trust me. That's not something uh, that's something I've been accused of being a lot, especially in the last year, year and a half. I get being brutally honest. But dog, bro, I I get it. We've all wanted to go off on on the people in charge. We've all wanted to do it. I get it. But damn. <laughs> Wow, he was wildin'. That's raw me, me at my finest, me at my purest. Yes, that was you at your finest. I completely get that, but damn, man. This NBA season ain't even started. It doesn't start for another week. And we've already got so many different stories coming in of LeBron in LA. Can the Warriors pull off a three-peat? What's gonna happen after the season with some of the big name free agents that are already being rumored? What about DeMarcus Cousins in Golden State? What the hell are they gonna do in the Eastern Conference? With Kyrie Irving is back and the and the and the dude finally stopped with that silliness about the world being flat, about the earth being flat. He talked about that last week. If you go back to episode 32 go way back in the archives i did a whole episode on this moron talking about the earth is flat i didn't exactly pull any punches it's in the it's in the archives episode 32 you'll enjoy it and whether it's kyrie irving kyrie irving and gordon hayward are both back for boston so the eastern conference which has been lorded over by lebron james for most of the decade is now wide open For any of those top three teams, Philly or Boston, you've even could possibly slip Miami in there. But now you've got, hell, Washington, Toronto with Kawhi Leonard. You at least now, maybe not Washington, but you at least now have something. Meanwhile, in Detroit, the one thing that they have is a lot of empty seats. Because contrary to what the Pistons keep insisting on telling you, they're not going to be any good. They're going to be right around where they were were last year, lingering around that eighth spot, probably not getting in. And even if they get in, they're going to get smashed. You got Andre Drummond, who is apparently getting the green light to shoot threes, despite the fact that this dude can't knock down free throws. He doesn't have a post move, but you want him to get out there and start shooting threes like Dirk Nowitzki, which makes no damn sense. You've got Blake Griffin, who is mad injury prone and a huge liability in terms of money. You can't trade him, not that anybody was going to take him to begin with. Reggie Jackson is still injury prone, and I don't want to hear any of this, but when he played last year, they were, it doesn't matter. Reggie Jackson, no. Ain't a whole lot of teams lining up to bring in Reggie Jackson as their point guard. Detroit is what it is. And there's another slightly larger problem they have, and it's that arena. Little Caesars Arena, which is beautiful. Hey, Little Caesars, shout out to you. Anytime you want to be down with the show, I'm always here for a hot and ready. But Little Caesars Arena, this big, beautiful, one of the new centerpieces in downtown Detroit, home of the Pistons and the Detroit Red Wings. It was supposed to be the home of the Red Wings, and then the Pistons got brought in. One of the biggest problems is right now, all four teams in Detroit are basura. Yes, I'll get to the Lions in a second. They are basura, especially the Pistons and Red Wings, the two teams that just so happen to be occupying the big, brand new hundreds of millions of dollars taxpayer-built stadium in downtown Detroit. One of the biggest problems last year was, and I talked about it on this podcast, is that the Pistons and Red Wings were not selling games out at all. I mean, at all. As in, there were like scads of empty seats. It was startling when I watched opening night last year of the Pistons, and I saw two-thirds of that arena empty. Empty. Don't give me this BS about, oh, those games were sellouts. It's just that people were dispersed throughout the arena at the bars and the clubs. If the Pistons were worth a damn, every single one of those seats is full. I'm calling BS. There's no way that eight or 9,000 people would rather sit in a bar than sit in their seats at an NBA game if the team is any good. 
You think in Oakland, if they put a bunch of bars in Oracle Arena, that those seats would be empty during Warriors games? Do you think down in Houston, those seats will be empty? Do you think at the Staples Center, those seats will be empty? Do you think at the Fleet Center or whatever the hell they call that place in Boston? Was it TD Garden, Boston Garden? I don't know. Whatever it is in Boston, do you think those seats are empty during Celtics games? I can tell you for a fact over at Wells Fargo, during Sixers games, ain't nobody hanging out in Xfinity Live. The Pistons aren't any good. Last year, during parts of Piston games, certain Piston games, they even started putting black Art Van, which is a furniture store for those of you not familiar with Detroit, Art Van branded seat backs over the bright red seats to try to make it look like there weren't as many empty seats. Now they're planning on simply removing all the red seat backs and replacing them with black ones. So instead of there being big swaths of red all over the building now to look like the fans were redacted out of there like a foyer request look man i didn't think we'd get to the point where both the pistons and red wings would suck at the same damn time to the point where they're tarping off seats like they're playing in the silver dome i i remember a time sounding like michael jackson i remember a time when piston tickets and red wing tickets were the toughest thing to get in detroit And then Tiger tickets became that, and now the Tigers are trash. They've lost 98 games back-to-back years. They ain't nowhere near the baseball playoffs anymore. They're in the midst of this ghastly rebuild. Detroit sports is at a low point right now. That brings me around to the Detroit Lions as we start to wrap this puppy up. A few weeks ago, I said the Lions were in trouble. They looked, I mean, I normally don't take a lot of out of preseason games, because I've seen teams go 4-0, the Lions, in the preseason and get stomped out in the regular season. But something didn't look right with them, even in a preseason game. Something didn't look right. And then they went out on opening night. And after getting a pick six on the very first play of the game to go up 7-0, they got ambushed by the New York freaking Jets. Not like the New York Jets of the early 2000s who were really good. No, like the New York Jets with a rookie quarterback and a team that was so bad that they got beat by Cleveland. Those Jets. 48-17. And it wasn't even that close at 48-17, by the way. So they get ambushed. Then they go to San Francisco, fall down 30-13 to there, and then pull one of their classic near-miss Lions comebacks, lose 30-27 to after an interception that looked like it was going to put the Lions on the five-yard line, gets called back because of defensive holding. So they're 0-2. And at that, on that episode, I said, if they don't get the Jet game, they're not getting San Francisco. If they don't get the Jet game, they could be 0-5. Because the next three games were the Patriots, Cowboys, and Green Bay Packers. So, of course, what happens? The Lions win two out of the three games, including beating the, the damn New England Patriots. Easily. Then they go to Dallas. And with two minutes to go... They damn near pulled the trick again. Lions have two timeouts in the two-minute warning. Stafford to throw. Back in the pocket. Looks. Throws deep right side. Wants Golden. Got him at the 10. Golden at the 5. Golden to the end zone. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Oh, Stafford to take 38 yards. And they're an extra point away from taking the lead. Oh, my goodness. And Golden Tate again. It's so subtle what he does with his body and the positioning that he gets on these DBs. But he is so great with doing it that he gives Matthew a lane to throw the ball. Only thing I want him to do is get in the end zone first, then celebrate. He was dancing a little bit, too. Oh, man, just get in the end zone, then you can celebrate all you want. And before I go any further, pass this game over to Green Bay. I appreciate former Lion, the the second gentleman you heard along with Dan Miller there. It's courtesy of WJR. Lomas Brown, former Detroit Lion, longtime Detroit Lion offensive lineman, member of Phi Beta Sigma. You know, said something there at the very end that I feel bears repeating. Only thing I want him to do is get in the end zone first, then celebrate. He was dancing a little bit too. Oh man, just get in the end zone, then you can celebrate all you want. During that Dallas game, wide receiver Golden Tate was wiling. He was actually having a really good game, but he was wiling. That was his second long touchdown catch of the day. And on each instance, He decided he had to style and profile before he crossed the goal line. 
And in each instance, he starts styling and profiling and showing off. And there are Dallas players within arm's reach of him when he's sticking the ball out and taunting them. And it was really bothersome. You know how bad it has to be when the Homerish home radio call admonishes you for not going into the end zone first. I'm like Lomas Brown. For one, on a bit of an aside note, I'm not a big fan of Golden Tate, the, the, the man, the person. I think he's very obnoxious. He's overly arrogant. I could see why he wore out his welcome in Seattle. He's, he's not a good guy. He's another one of those dudes who was, has been seen running around in a MAGA hat or two to kind of give you that heads up. So Google it. Trust me, I'm not making that up. So I, I don't care much for Golden Tate to begin with. He's, he's a good player who thinks he's an all-star, superstar. He's a really good receiver, slot receiver, but he has a bad habit of showboating. Even in the best of situations, he tends to make it all about him. Which, if you are 20 yards away, still get in the end zone. No, I'm not Mr. Old Fogey. You can't celebrate, act like you've been there before. When you get in the end zone, I want you to show out. You can do whatever. You can floss. You can dab. You can jit. You can, you can turn backflips. You can have choreographed routines. Do whatever the hell you want. I'm the guy who demands that Major League Baseball stop with the unwritten rules BS. I'm the one who loves that ad that they're running during the playoffs now of guys bat flipping and showboating. You don't want that dude showboating, keep him in the yard. And if you don't want anybody showboating in the end zone, keep him out the end zone. But you got to get to the damn end zone first. That first touchdown in Dallas, Tate stops at like the five-yard line, turns, sticks the ball out, and starts trying to moonwalk into the end zone. There are three cowboys around him. And I'm losing my mind. Like, get in the end zone. You can do whatever you want, but get in the end zone, dog. Stop playing around. Even he acknowledged after the game when someone asked him, so what happens if you get the if you get stripped or if you fumble the ball, it's, it pops out of your hand while you're trying to show off? He's like, then I'd probably be a douchebag. Well, you are a douchebag. You were a douchebag whether or not you caught that touchdown pass or not. But it took Lomas saying it, and apparently Matt Patricia told him the same thing, like, bro, get your ass in the end zone first. That should be a metaphor for life, actually. Don't celebrate until you've made it. Don't fully start styling and profiling until you scored that touchdown of life or until that ball leaves the yard and then you can flip that bat and, and take your time around the bases if you want. But damn it, Golden Tate. Be smart about this. And the rest of y'all listening, be smart about this. There's so many of you out here who are so successful and are doing so many great things with your life. But don't celebrate till you cross that damn goal line. Keep the focus, stay in there, and act like a winner. And then you can act like a spaz when you get to the finish line. So after all that, they win the Green Bay game. And I'd never seen anything quite like this, where they're up 17-0 on Green Bay, and it's largely because Green Bay basically just showed up with their head planted firmly up there, took us for most of the first half and a fair amount of the second. And Aaron Rodgers throws for 442 yards and they only score 23 points. Part of that is because their kicker missed four field goals and an extra point. Mason Crosby. That's the type of thing that normally would happen to the Lions in a game against Green Bay or Chicago or Minnesota where your kicker has a brain fart and can't hit the broad side of a damn barn. That's, that, that's wild, bro. It's wild. So instead of being 0-5, they're 2-3. and This is their bye week. And the next week they go to Miami to face the Dolphins. And Lord knows which Lions are going to show up. I had the Lions pegged as a 5-11 and football team. I still have them right in that little 6-10, and 7-9 line. Because they got a couple of games they had no business getting. So now at least it bumps them up. But you know that receipt is coming because they've also lost two games they had no business losing. And they've got at least two more games on their schedule that they're going to have no business getting beat in. Buffalo and Arizona. And I have a bad feeling that they're going to lose one of those. They got Minnesota. That's two L's. Chicago looks like a monster of the midway. Huh, see what I did there? But no, seriously, Chicago's a problem. Like a big-ass problem. 
that if they don't gag away that game in Green Bay, they're probably 4-0 and could be on the verge of running away with this damn division. The Lions going to have a hell of a hard time beating that team once, let alone twice. So who knows? I just know this, that, yeah, they're a little bit better than I thought they would be, but they're still not any good. And Matthew Stafford is still out here setting a whole bunch of needless, useless records that don't involve winning, which is what this whole thing is about. To kind of close things out here, as I was saying, if you're going to showboat, do it when you get to where you want to be. Don't do the typical Detroit Lion thing and start showing out before you hit the finish line because it should be noted, Tate showed his whole ass in that Dallas game and a minute and a half later, Dallas walked right back down the field and won the game with a field goal. Finish what you start. Don't get caught up celebrating too soon and that'll help you find a little bit more peace and enjoy the fruits of your labor. My name is Jay Scott Smith telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pets spayed or neutered. Adopt. Don't shop. And we are out of here. If you're in one of these parts of the country where the deadline to register to vote is coming up and you haven't done it already, go register to vote. We need you more than ever out here. Until next time. Goodbye, everybody. If you didn't like the way that I handled myself in, in, in practice, one of the players come up to me. Somebody say something. Anybody. I'm not going to take it offense. It's not personal. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah, you, you're probably right. I would have said, I ain't hooped in I don't know how long. I mean, I'm passionate about it. I love the game and I love to win. And that's all I was out there doing was competing, playing hard, doing what I'm supposed to do on a basketball Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, that was, that was the greatest moment in the history of this television program. Bar none. Bar none. That was the greatest moment we've ever witnessed. You're listening to the People's Podcast. I was honest. Was I brutally honest? Yes. But I think that that's the problem. Everybody's so scared to be honest with one another. This is JSC Radio. heard on the news about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online. For like a year, she couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.